Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. Today I talked to Troy Townley, partner at HTA Advisory, and discussed how building an offshore team over the last three and a half years has allowed their firm to improve their capacity. Burdened by the lack of time for strategic business decision and planning, Troy and his partners decided to give offshoring a try and have since then enjoyed increased capacity, a more streamlined workflow, and a massive 50% increase in the firm's average hourly rate. Now their firm has all the processes documented and more importantly, delegated to the right people in the firm so the local team can focus on their core strengths for specific and appropriate roles and offer more value-added services to their clients. Listen to hear his story now. I'm Troy Townley from HCA Advisory where we deliver actionable insights and you're listening to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. Troy, give us an overview of your business and the team structure. How many staff you got locally, offshore? Um, how long have you been going? And just a little bit more about your business. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, HA Advisory, and so we've got a um, accounting and advisory business, and also a wealth um, arm. Um, we've got fourteen team members all up, three partner firm. We've been going for ten years. Um, so we've been running the accounting business with a strong focus on advisory since day dot. Um, and yeah, that's been going really well for the last 10 years. And about 12 months ago, we launched our financial planning or wealth division as well. Um, so yeah, so 14 team members here that's made up of about um, nine accountants and then five support members. And then also we've got five team members with um, outsourced accountants based in Clark. Um, so three accountants at the moment and two support, um, one sort of doing general admin and second one doing a bit of client services coordinator support and corporate support for us. Excellent. So we've I've watched your journey over over the years. You were obviously a client of Panalytics many years ago and won a few of their awards and you've been going through some strong growth. I know that we're prior to this, we're having a chat about you recruiting some extra roles at the moment. So Troy, obviously you're doing things differently and you're growing, um, which is great, but do you have a niche uh, market that you look after? Um, not, not really. Um, what we generally are focusing on is working with small to medium-sized businesses. Um, there's a certain profile of client that we prefer to work with, those that are wanting to grow and develop. Uh, we don't want to be working with clients who just want the traditional once a year accounting service. We, we like to be involved with our clients pretty heavily. So we've built our service modeling all around that to be sitting down with clients a minimum of three to four times a year, um, generally trying to do that every quarter and yeah, being actively involved in, in their businesses. So um, there's certain areas that we do have skills on. We do a lot of service businesses, a lot of property type business, but yeah, we, we've deliberately st- stuck away from being a uh, niche business at the moment. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your story of setting up your offshore team. Um, Five team members there, 14 locally. So what were your motivations originally behind doing this? Um, Yeah, what it was for us is that we were really struggling with capacity 
um, within within our business. So, and what I mean by capacity is that we had our accountants and even um, partners doing a lot of work on the tools, which was starting to have a bit of an impact on um, how we serviced our clients and, and just having that time available to work with clients to go have um, sort of meetings and, and, and sort of go down the rabbit hole a little bit to try and sort out solutions. So we were thinking for a while about how we yeah, get that capacity back and through coaching network that um, we're both part of, we, we came across what um, Toa was doing and thought that could be a really good fit to build that capacity back and um, frap a bit of time within the business. And that was sort of the, the starting steps of, of getting the offshore team underway. Yeah, fantastic. So how did you go about setting up? What was the process um, you took and how long did it take um, to, to go down this path? We spent a lot of time researching and working out the best way to do it. So um, once we made a decision that we were going to go with um, TOA to um, be our offshore partners, we worked closely with um, our client manager or relationship manager there at the time to get our business ready for it. So what we were advised was yeah, getting our processes and our systems documented in detail and using things like screen capture technology and making sure that the processes we were doing were current and relevant. So we spent a few months doing that because we'd never done that before. Um, so I think that exercise took us about three months to get everything documented and um, ready to go. And then sort of through the, the end of that three-month period, we started to recruit team members to be ready to start with us when we we're right to go. So, yeah, so all up, I think from decision being made um, was around sort of, I think it was July of the year that we went in with it. And then by October, we had team members on the ground ready to start. And I was in the Philippines uh, about to do some training. Fantastic. So for someone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them now that you've done it to help them move as quickly as possible? What would be the three most critical things that you would spend time on? Yeah, I think um, from our own experience, uh, the three most critical things, um, and again, we've learned a little bit of this in hindsight as well, but one is certainly getting your procedures and processes as um, well documented. So using the technology, um, we use Zoom a lot to record instructions and um, tasks to our overseas team. Um, so getting those recorded and, and, and stored in a, in a library. Also making sure screen capture is done. So when you have to go through step-by-step -step processes that people can watch that and replicate that. Um, so that was a, a big part of it um, to, to get those processes right. Um, the other thing which is something probably more learnt in hindsight would be to have a, a, a champion um, within your local team appointed to be the, the go-to person to really roll out yeah, the offshoring and, and build build what you need to and being that main point of contact for your overseas team members as well. Um, that's that's quite critical. And probably the third thing is, is looking to make sure you are building a team and starting with one was something we contemplated at the start, but we'll very quickly advise that the risk of having one person them leaving or not working out it's a risk and you go back to square one. So so hiring a, a small team, two or three, when you, when you get into it and start would also be a, a good recommendation as well. Yeah, great advice. So Troy, you've been doing this now for close to three and a half years. So if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value your offshore team provides, what would it be? Um, yeah, for us, it's 
all around capacity. Um, so that that's really what it's it's given us. It's given us a lot of extra grunt as a as a business, um, and being able to make sure that we've got um, the the lowest cost resources at times doing the the, the lowest value work um, for clients. So what that then means is we've we've got a, a team overseas who are doing tasks that are helping them develop their careers and advances with with their professional lives and also it means that our team here is focusing on more value-added tasks and, and building those relationships with their with their clients that they're working with every single day so yeah fantastic so there's a lot of perceptions regarding offshoring what are the main things that you've heard and what's surprised you the most um yeah look for us i think there's a there's still a quite a, a general lack of understanding at times about what offshoring or outsourcing or, or whatever it is referred to. So for us, we've never ever referred to it as outsourcing. And when we hear people talk to us about that, we generally shut that down pretty quick because we we look at it more as insourcing or having a, a just another office location. For us, our, we've made sure that our overseas team are um, an integral part of our business. So they sit on team meetings and we promote them as team members of our business. They appear on our websites, things like that. So, so I think, um, yeah, going you know all the way back and yeah the advice to give is that it's it's important to embrace it as a as a way to run an effective and efficient business nowadays it's 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 not a unique thing anymore and um yeah businesses have been doing this for a long long time and it's yeah now that it's great that it's sort of filtering down to smaller businesses to be able to do this yeah couldn't agree more so the year ahead what is the plan with your offshore team so how do you plan to keep growing your team their capability and their performance. Yeah, well, what we are in the process of doing is with our team, we've, we've recently recruited um, a, a couple of more team members over there, but there's a couple of um, strategies that we've recently put in place. One is to have that champion locally to work with the team to manage their workload and also understand what their career development plans are. So we're in the process of giving our overseas accountants specific areas of responsibility that they're going to be focusing on and becoming champions on for part of their career development. Um, we also want to develop a team leader as well within our current team so we can have them train and grow our, our team overseas um, and then yeah more for us it's it's developing the skill sets to make them more well-rounded accountants um, and get them not only doing compliance and tax and the support work that we do for clients but be, being able to assist us in adding value to clients along the way with some of the other services that we do. Excellent. So what would be some of your recommendations for our listeners on some of the things that you would recommend they do in managing an offshore team? Um, I think that yeah, there's a couple of critical items there that um, I would recommend. One is regular communication. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that, um, and you know, this is again learning from experience of what we've done in the past, but sometimes because they're not in the office day to day, um, they're not they're not included in um, some of the internal communications. So, what we've found is has been a great change is we've introduced Slack as our main communication channel through the whole business, um, and that's been a great way to make sure that everyone in the team's better informed, um, and it's sort of limiting those water cooler conversations or lunchroom conversations that often happen where important information's shared. Um, so, so that's been a, a big thing for us. And then also we have a weekly team meeting, which our overseas team use Zoom to, to sit in on that. And they 
that's more our forum for talking about everything that's going on in the business. So wins for the week, losses for the week, how we're going with our invoicing, our targets, KPIs, the whole lot. So they're they're right across that as well. So so going back to the sort of the question that yeah, I think it's embracing and having them being integral members of your team. That's that's where we see the best benefit. Yeah, look, I couldn't agree more. I know that you've got your team on your website um, and and you are actively, you know, they are part of your team and you're engaging them as part of your team. Yeah, I will ask yeah. a quick question regarding having them on your website because a lot of accountants, um, one of the things that they're always asking us is, is it something that we should be promoting to our clients or is it something um, that we should just keep in the background? What was the main motivation regarding adding them to your website and really embracing them, I suppose, publicly as part of your team? Um, yeah, look, going back to that earlier point is that we, we view it as just having a, another office and um, we've never shied away from informing our clients that we, we have team members um, based overseas. Um, the reason we have, have done that um, is that there's probably yeah, a couple of real um, reasons we have is one is that, as I said, we, we want to have the, um, fill all the Clark office as just an extension of HCA much like having a, an office in a regional city um, when yeah, you've got a, a big city location as well. That's how we view it. The second thing is as well is that we, we like to practice what we preach and um, a lot of clients often ask us about how they can implement offshoring or um, yeah, build overseas teams themselves. Um, and we yeah, have, have, have been able to provide support and services to clients to show them what we have done and how they can potentially do that through their own business. So it's, as funny as it sounded, it's also giving us different um, accesses to revenue at times by doing projects with clients to help them set up their own offshore teams as well. Yeah, look, and I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. I've been speaking about this for a few years that I really see this is potentially being another advisory service to accounting firms with their clients because there's major value to you as an accounting practice and a business. But what about your clients' businesses? Um, there are so many opportunities for them to also leverage a global workforce. And, um, and as an advisory service, you can obviously charge for the experience and, and the learnings that you've had over the years of this journey. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it is that a lot of the time, we have conversations with clients and, you know, we put our hat on is that we're small business owners as well um, and particularly having those conversations, what the pain points are and, yeah, how to go and do that, being able to um, share ideas is, is has been hugely beneficial not only for us but for our clients as well. Great. Like I said, I couldn't agree more. So, Troy, we're going to talk around the success of your offshore team. So how do you measure the success of your offshore team? We have a few specific targets that we, that we have um, for every team member individually, but we measure a lot of our KPIs um, across the whole business rather than, um, yeah, specific. So we still have things that we focus on around productivity and, and making sure that tasks are completed within the timeframe that we, that we want them to be completed in. So we track job turnaround times and, and average hourly rates um, across particular jobs. But yeah, for us, the, the biggest measures that we have within our business in terms of KPIs is that we measure our average hourly rate, which is yeah looking at efficiency within the business and how long it takes us to complete a, a piece of work. And then another sort of big metric that we have as a business is our monthly recurring revenue number, which is just those clients who are on fixed price agreements 
and the revenue that we generate every single month off those. So, so aside from that, we don't have too many other specific KPIs that we yeah that we're running and sharing with the team. We we try to keep it pretty simple. But yeah, if we're getting good average hourly rate, good job turnaround times, and we know the the results are there. I love those ones. Love them. So, how has offshoring benefited your clients? For us, it's really given us the ability, as I, as I mentioned before, to have that bit of extra capacity. But also, it means that we're able to react a lot quicker when there's demands that often come from clients because they may need um, a set of financial reports completed urgently for a finance submission, or there might be a business purchase that they're looking to do and we need to, to move pretty quickly on that. So we've got those issues where we're not having to say no to clients. We can find a way to, to make it work and, and get tasks done. So that, that's good just to be able to meet clients' expectations. There's nothing worse than a client asking us to do something and yeah, having to say to them, look, yeah, we can do it, but you need to give us two or three weeks. Yeah, from a client's perspective, often when they're asking for things to be done, there is a level of urgency on it. Um, sometimes it's important to understand what that urgency is and, and drill down a little bit deeper. But where it is truly urgent, it means that we can jump in and get things done and turn things over, you know, very, very quickly. Yeah, which is a great benefit to your clients. So when we revert back, I suppose, to your team and even you more personally, has offshoring contributed to giving you more time? Um, has it given you more work-life balance? Yeah, yeah, it has a, it has a little bit. Um, and I think for a lot of our team, it has as well. And look, the, I think for our accountants here, as they progress um, in their career paths and sort of move from that graduate or junior accountant level up to intermediate and senior accountant level, is that what it's given them the ability to do is start building and forming some really close relationships with their clients, um, which which is great because they're not as stuck on the on the detail that can often type a lot of their time every single day. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we want our accountants here um, to be client relationship managers, so to speak, and, and have that time to be able to pick up the phone and talk to a client and yeah, even just the how you're doing phone calls going out occasionally. And that's what we, we tend to see when things are running you know, really efficiently and we've got the capacity and the model working well is that we get that time back. And from my perspective, yeah, I've been able to see that and, and for up a bit of my time to be able to focus more on key client relationships and also focus a little bit more on the operational side of the of the, our business as well. So it gives you that chance to work on your business rather than in it as well. So that's what we're um, seeing some benefits of at the moment. Yeah, great. There's some real benefits there. So has offshoring had an effect on your average hourly rate and ultimately the profit to the firm? Um, yeah, it has. It has. It. Um, I think when we started three and a half years ago, yeah, our average hourly rate as a business was just probably over $200 an hour um, across the professional staff and across the whole firm. Once you put in the admin and support team, I think we were around about the 130 an hour mark. Um, maybe even a little bit less than that. Now we're we're sort of well above that 300 average hourly rate on average um, for the professional staff. So it's sort of almost a 50% uh, increase there. Um, and our business-wide average hourly rate is sitting around about 180 to 190 an hour. So it's pushing close to 200. Which so again, that's sort of that 50% improvement as well. And and that's all about efficiency and getting our processes right as well. That's had a huge difference. And that is a huge difference over, in essence, the three and a bit year timeframe to, to increase it that much. Now, obviously, technology advancements has helped and enabled that over the period of time as well, which, you know, yep. the internal efficiency you mentioned, which is, you know, it's huge improvements. 
Yeah, no, it is. It and and yeah, and then what comes with that as well is that we've been able to to grow our business from a revenue perspective as well. And locally, we haven't had to expand the team too much from where it was three years ago. Where we're now in that stage at the moment where we are expanding the the local team here to you know make sure we can service our our growing client base um, as as like we always have. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of more the challenge for us now is is getting the local team right. And, and growing that. Yeah, and when we spoke earlier before we um, were recording today, you mentioned that you're going through some real growth there. I mean, you're putting on numerous roles to obviously deal with that capacity, and then you're also growing the offshore team, which is, you know, fantastic from a business yeah, no. Yeah, no, and we see that the offshore team as well, that growing, and, yeah, I think ideally where that will get to in time is that for every accountant that we have here um, as, a, as a business, um, and at the moment we've you know, it's about seven or eight, is that in time there should be a, or we think that the best model will be to have a, an overseas accountant as well. So it's sort of one for one ratio around that and then also building a couple of other um, sectors or arms of our business as well to, to further grow. Yeah, look, I couldn't agree with that comment more. I mean, we're seeing the really efficient firms and I mean, it's harder for larger firms, but we are seeing that one to one ratio for smaller firms. We're seeing two um, two to three overseas to everyone locally. So yeah. it really depends on, I suppose, firm size. But, yeah, that one-to-one ratio is, is really where you've got things working, it's efficient, it's profitable, it's giving you more time and capacity and, and just really ticking along. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that as well. And, yeah, look, the one-for-one the one is sort of the, uh, the the first target and then as we, we grow and expand and, and develop the skill set over there, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that ratio does extend out the other way. Yeah, great. So, Troy, what would be one bit of advice you'd give your younger self from a business point of view? Probably just having a little bit more, having having fun along the ways. Um, probably the, the the main thing that I would look back to myself um, even 10, 15 years ago, and also just having having a go and, and seeing things through. That's um, yeah. Sometimes you can be a little bit nervous about taking a leap. So you know, a good example was the whole offshoring thing. We we knew about this as a a potential um, way to, to grow the business probably a, a year, year and a half before we did it. And it's one of those things, as soon as you go do it, you, you realise, oh, why don't we do this earlier? So it's just that, that confidence to go give things a go and, and get stuff done. So one bit of advice you'd give your younger self from a personal point of view? Yeah, probably just to relax a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's sort of that, that thing now. I was, I was talking to one of the, the guys here who recently had a uh, milestone birthday and yeah, just talking about the fact you get to a stage in life where you, you really don't, care as much about what other people think you've got those close to you and yeah their their opinion is is probably what counts and what i respect more and yeah what the outside world thinks or hears at me yeah not not getting too caught up in that just letting things go and and being true to yourself and your values that's um probably what i would say to myself personally yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was funny because that exact point came up in one of our podcasts, um, one of our most recent podcasts, the exact same realisation around that. So interesting. So there's a lot of myths and objections around offshoring. What's the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team and is it true? Um, look, I think, yeah, look, the biggest myth we've heard is, yeah, not having the security, not knowing who's doing the work, um, not having the, the, the skill sets with people you engage to do that. And I think that's a, a complete misconception is that I think there's a, a real lack of understanding about, you know, from our experience, the guys in the Philippines, funnily enough, the accountants, how they 
qualifying the training they do. It's actually more than what our guys do here. Um, and it's and it's being aware that um, that they're extremely well trained. They've got great skills, and yeah, you can give them pretty well anything to do, and they they do it amazingly well. So I think that perception of of looking at them as not equals um, is a, is a big thing that yeah is a is a common misconception out there, and and something that once you sort of understand who they are, how they work, and like anyone, just what what drives and motivates the individual who's doing the work for you that that's where you get some real benefit and, and loyalty and yeah that extra little bit of uh, grunt and commitment that you want from any team member yeah, great advice so for someone looking to grow their business or their team what's the best piece of advice that you've heard and implemented that you could pass on the biggest thing that um, I've always is hiring and, and building capacity in advance and not doing it when you need to do it um, which is always a tough thing to do as a, as a business owner when you're trying to yeah, balance your bottom line and, and your bank account and things like that. But um, yeah, ha- having that capacity built into your business um, is, is critical to be able to grow and, and do that properly and, and even planning out what your recruitment map looks like um, as well. So that's a, another key thing, know who your next hire is. But from that capacity, um, what we've found has been really beneficial for us is that building the overseas team is a quicker way as well to, to build that capacity that we need in the business to keep growing um, and yeah just being committed to getting those or the next resource lined up and, and knowing a couple of months in advance who we need what we need and that's what we were talking about a little bit earlier is that we know that our next hire um, within the, the Philippines team will be another accountant um, who will commence with us in June, July. So that will lift the headcount to four, um, which yeah sort of gives us a, a one-to-one ratio with accountants in the office. And as that next accountant we hire locally here, then we think about, right, what's that next hire overseas as well to make sure that we build capacity and can support the person here that we're hiring to make sure they're doing the, the most value-added tasks as well. Yeah, look, there's some great advice in there, and I I commonly talk about this um, around firms are really good at setting strategic plans in place with revenue targets and and what their growth plans are, but most of the time they forget to actually put in place an actual people strategy or the capacity to actually be able to deliver those results. So, you know, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. Yeah, no, and it, it, look, I, and I do agree with that. It's something that we've only recently recently done and again when you look back and go geez we should have done this a long long time ago is that we've had a business coach that we've been working with the last 12 months and he's been a very big advocate of of building that recruitment roadmap and yeah i know that from the last roadshow that that you ran that that was one of the key messages and one of the key takeaways we had as well um to to know what the local recruitment plan and people map looked like but also what the overseas um, recruitment plan looked like as well Um, and off the back of that we've recently engaged another support role um, that commences with us in a week to provide that support that we need around our corporate compliance and our ASIC administration as well as our client services coordinators role. Um, so yeah, it's important to, to have that plan and then put it in place. Yeah, look, couldn't agree more. And I mean, you mentioned corporate compliance and that's one of the my themes or flavours at the moment is that corporate compliance is, is normally one of accounting firms' most profitable divisions and it's normally the one that's the most forgotten. It's normally given to a receptionist or in a big firm they employ someone, but it's normally sort of the, the forgotten cousin, but yet it's so profitable for firms. Oh, look, I was yeah, saying to you before that, yeah, it's probably um, an area of our business that's grown. I think corporate 
compliance area of, is around about 10% of our revenue um, at the moment, and it's also our most highly profitable area of our business. Um, yeah, we have a full-time resource in there who manages all of that, um, and it's now getting to a stage where we need to make sure that her time's is being spent on the most valuable tasks so we can keep that area running as profitably as possible and keep expanding out the service offering as well because there's a lot that can be done nowadays with CAS 360, which is the product we use, and, and utilising everything that's in that because it's a fantastic system and it keeps evolving all the time, which makes how we do that side of our um, job internally a lot easier and a lot more profitable as well. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I'm a big fan of the BGL CAS 360, that new product with their AI automation and just everything they're doing. It just streamlines that whole process, which is, yeah. you know, technology advancements of, you know, are brilliant across the industry everywhere. Yeah, agree, agree. So, Troy, we're going to finish off with a quick five in five. So I'll start off with these. What cloud software do you use? Um, yeah, we use um, Zero Practice Manager for our... Um, client and tax. Um, most of our clients are using Xero. Um, if they're not using Xero, there's a f small handful using Myob um, and a couple of industry specific. Um, we use Class for our super platform, CAS 360, as we mentioned, for our corporate compliance, and then document management is done through Nimbus. And then we also have Practice Protect as well that we um, use to control all our passwords and security across the whole business, which all the team use locally here, as well as our team over in Clark. So it just means that we know people are accessing our systems and, and who's doing what. So that's sort of the, the quick overview of it. Yeah, great. And you do a lot of spotlight reporting as well, don't you? A lot yeah, of, we do. Yeah, we do. So we, yeah, we use, yeah, Spotlight's our main um, advisory platform to, to present information to clients in a, you know, sort of a easy to understand way. Um, so it also ties in a lot of our KPIs and, and our other analysis that we do with clients as well and forms a big part of our uh, quarterly um, and monthly meetings we do with clients. And then we also use Change Tech as well, which gives us a lot of um, templates and processes um, through Change GPS as well. Great. So what's your favourite app? I go back to the, the whole zero yeah, sort of um, accounting system and then the, the add-on world that connects off the back of that. Um, so we've been using zero for eight years, but seeing how that's advanced and what that now integrates with and yeah, some of the systems it's beginning to integrate with, it, yeah, it just um, it's amazing what it what it can do and how it's evolving as a as a system and it's and it's AI and the technology that's starting to come into that now. Um, so so that whole yeah zero ecosystem I wouldn't necessarily put it down to one app, but yeah, um, I'll probably just yeah summarise it over the zero the zero system. Yeah, I love that ecosystem. It's it's a complete game changer from you know ten years ago where we were in accounting technology world to where we are today. It's you know, yeah. significantly different. It's amazing the change. Yeah. So what's your must read each week? Um, must read. I have a I have a lot that I um, subscribe to. So um, I personally I love just jumping on LinkedIn. Um, and, and having a look at through that a couple of times a week just to, to read through articles and yeah different different points that um, point of view that people have so um, yeah I've, I've, I do a lot of sort of reading on um, personal leadership and um, development and, and strength-based learning um, which is off the back of a, a course I did um, about 18 months ago um, which yes yeah, so I do a lot of follow-up reading off 
off that um, yeah through a program I did which was called Potential Life but yeah it's all about focusing on your strengths and, and then learning as a person rather than trying to improve weaknesses all the time which can be a little bit frustrating and annoying when you don't really want to uh, be doing those sort of things. Yeah love that concept love it so you've, you've already mentioned one but what's your favourite social media channel what's the, what's the one that you go to on a daily basis? Yeah, LinkedIn's the the one that I'm on um, a lot um, from a from a business perspective. Um, so yeah, so we'll be on that. Um, yeah, probably first thing in the morning, and then have a, another look at it at night, and then yeah, you know, it's the old Facebook thing from a from a personal perspective. But more and more, there's um, yeah, good business insights coming in onto Facebook now. So it was amazing last night, even just seeing as the the federal budget was released, um, how many accounting businesses were on there giving live updates around what was going on with the budget. Yeah, look, I turned my social media off last night because there was that many budget <laughs> updates. I mean, it's sort of jokes to the people I'm following, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> plenty of them. So, yep. Troy, what's your favourite KPI? Um, for, for me, um, at the moment, it was for a long, long time, the average hourly rate number and, and seeing that um, increase um, for us as a business, but the, the, my favourite one at the moment is our monthly recurring revenue, which is again, as I mentioned before, those those clients are on fixed price agreements with us, and that money that's just rolling in the door every single month that we're not having to chase up to get payments for with debtors and things like that. So we've we've got some targets around where we want to get our monthly recurring revenue to, and yeah, it's been great to see that grow over the sort of the last nine months when we set this target, and yeah, we're, we're pushing slowly towards where we want to get to but yeah just it just takes that whole distraction of having to chase off clients for payments so i love that monthly recurring revenue number and seeing the efficiencies that go with that yeah i love that one love it so how can our listeners get in contact with you we'll put some of your details in the show notes but what's the best way for our contactors to well our listeners sorry to get in contact with you if they want to learn a little bit more about you or your business yeah, look, um, look, email direct to me, um, which, yeah, I think, as you said, you'll you'll put the email up there. Um, as I said, I'm on LinkedIn a lot, so you can find me on LinkedIn and send me messages through there. Um, generally respond to those fairly quickly. Um, or if you want to have a chat, I'm more than happy to take phone calls and, and talk and share ideas about what we've done and share some of our learnings. Um, I think our industry works really well when we're collaborating as an industry and that's yeah one of the big things that I've taken away from particularly the other organisations that we know who are using TOA as well is that when we've got an issue we can pick up the phone and say look have you experienced this issue before or how are you doing this and yeah we, we get that support and yeah that sort of uh, collaboration that makes makes us all run better businesses. Yeah, couldn't agree more so look Troy thank you so much for your time today there's been so many valuable insights that our listeners will be able to take away and now implement no, it's been great and uh, yeah thanks for the opportunity to uh, yeah talk and, and share some of our experiences and our story to date to follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast to connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. Thanks and have a great day.